Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The National Basketball Association rolls on, bubble be damned. Games are exciting, points are plentiful, and folks are hopefully somewhat interested. And you could just about smell the madness coming in March to college basketball. Whether or not some teams are excited about that smell and they'll go to their conference tournaments in preparation of that smell is yet to be seen. But we got a lot going on on the courts, some excitement in tennis this past weekend. And baseball is still baseball with the biggest story being Aaron judge getting his teeth fixed. But unfortunately we have to start on the links and the news of my favorite golfer, your favorite golfer, America's favorite golfer, tiger woods getting in a one car automobile accident, crush injuries as reported, meaning that tens of bones in his legs were broken. The jaws of life had to take him from the vehicle. The immediate reaction to the news, I don't know about you, but you probably felt the same way, is now that we've had the Kobe Bryant tragedy in our lives, you don't first think, well, he'll be okay. Now my first thought was the worst or close to it at least. Fortunately, after surgery for most of the day, he's alert, he's talking, there'll be surgeries to come, rehab to come, grueling months and potentially years ahead, but Tiger Woods is alive and as well as one could be after such an accident, which is the best news you can get from that situation. His playing career or future in that be damned, him just being okay as okay as one can be after what happened is great news and was great news for people that follow golf and people that obviously idolize one tiger woods. Well, Jeff, first of all, obviously uh, a big hello to all our friends and listeners. Thank you for being aboard. Look, this was, it comes on your phone. It's always the first way. First time the phone goes off with the, the, the fame sounder noise and you see the Tiger Woods name come up and you know, instantly you go back to a little over a year ago with the tragedy and the loss of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and his friends and her friends on the helicopter crash because these sounders are never good news. But we have become as a society so in love with our sports heroes unlike any other walk of life whether it's presidents whether it's kings or queens whether it's senators or governors whether it's movie stars whether it's rock and roll stars leaders in whatever field they're in it doesn't matter they all pale in comparison a broad sacrifiers are king. Ronaldo is king. Wherever you go, whatever country you're in, the sports star of that country is the star. He is the megastar. Obviously, LeBron James and Tiger Woods here. Soccer players abroad and skiers in you know, winter countries, whether it's in Norway, whether it's in Austria, Franz Klamo, when I was a kid, national hero. We worship them. 
Plain and simple. We adore them. We want nothing to happen to them ever. We never want them to get old. After that, we never want them to die. Worst case scenario, nightmare, is that they die before their time. And worst of all is that they die tragically well before their time. We had to deal with that a little over a year ago with Kobe Bryant. And for a heartbeat, you wondered if we were going to have to do it again. Fortunately for Tiger Woods and for his family, which is the most important people for it to be fortunately for, looks like he's going to be okay. And the kids have got their father. And the mother has her son. And that's the most important thing. Whether or not Tiger Woods plays golf this year, I don't care. As a fan, I, as the old report, I saw Jack Nicklaus in his prime. I saw Arnold Palmer at the very end of his prime. I saw Player. I saw Casper. I've seen everybody basically post-Ben Hogan. Tiger Woods is the second best player I've ever seen. He popularized or repopularized golf like Arnold Palmer first popularized. Obviously with young people, with the black community. He became world-renowned. A brilliant player. A, a man of personality who fell from grace before our eyes. And after he crashed and burned, struggled through injuries recovered more injuries and then we thought 14 was it we were never going to see another major and then we got two years ago we got the phoenix rising from the ashes one more grand time at augusta in the spring of 2019 we got to see him march through that course with the azaleas and the dogwood in bloom go down that front nine, amen corner, and play the course to perfection in the back nine while all those others wilted around him, the best in the world, and give us one last thrill. Got that 15th major. We saw him once again rise to the top of the mountain. And when he knocked that putt tapping in on 18, and you saw him scream to the heavens and clench his fists one last time. That was all I needed. That was good for me. I got to see that with my son, who was just turned 19 at the time, who has some, but very not, not a grand memory of the Tiger Woods in his prime, because he was just a little boy. He got to see, as a young adult, Tiger Woods on the grand stage with the Masters, his 15th major. I got to watch it with him. He got to hug his son when he came off the course and his mother. That was it. That was as good as it gets in golf. That's as good as it gets in sports. He brought us that as fans one more grand time. We saw him reascend to the throne. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to see him ever swing another club. If he does, great. For him. I got as good as it's going to get. I'm fine. All it matters to me is that Tiger Woods is okay, and the kids have their father, and that's all that, that's all that is matters to me. Golf doesn't even come into the equation. Doesn't even come into the equation. There's plenty of young guys, whether it's Rory McIlroy, or countless others, or Dustin Johnson, all right, to carry the torch that he basically lit after Arnie and Jack and Trevino and Watson, etc., and turned it into not a flame, but an absolute volcano. He's done everything he could do for me yeah. as a fan. I don't need any more. Uh, last year was. Or, excuse me, two two years ago was the crowning glory. Because I, I didn't think, I thought he might win another major, but it was getting to the point where with the constant injuries, 
and he was he got close a couple of times, and you would think he just didn't know if he was going to get over the hump. And the young players are all so good, and yet he pulled it off. And it took a ton out of him. He hasn't been the same since. Absolutely hasn't been the same since. Hasn't been the same player since. That four rounds, that memorable spring, drained him. And it was probably the best that we would ever see of him at that on that stage, at that level, for one last time. And that's cool by me. You couldn't ask for a better swan song in that moment. And not only is it being watched by the older generation who watched him play in the late 90s and early 2000s and saw the prime, now you've got the younger generation. As you mentioned, you've got sons, you've got grandsons who miss those times getting to experience vintage Tiger Woods, albeit for four days. This was Tiger Woods, kids. Here it is for you to see. This is what we used to see every month, every match. This was it. But at least you get to know what we experienced. It'd be like going to see Jordan with the Wizards and having him put up on that specific night a 40-plus point game every once in a while because let's not forget, folks, it was still pretty, pretty decent in his last couple of years with the Wizards. Averaging 20-plus points. Still pretty okay and had some of those nights where dads can turn to their kids and say, that's the Mike we grew up with. And that's the great part about sports. On the other side of the coin, the unfortunate part about sports is we always want more. And we always want our stars to play at their top peak performances every single year for basically their entire careers. How often does that actually end up happening? Tom Brady flipped everybody the bird after winning the Super Bowl comes, a couple weeks obviously ago. Obviously comes instantly to mind. And said, hey, it happens all the time, obviously. Well, there's not that many Tom Brady's. There's not that many Michael Jordans. There's not that many Tiger Woodses. And unfortunately, he wins that, and you, you selfishly want more. And the tragedy LeBron happens. James, LeBron James gives us more. Le, LeBron has continued to give us more as well. LeBron flipping the bird to everyone that thinks he's done. How much more does he have? How many more seasons of this? Selfishly, we want more, especially as Lakers fans. The accident happens to Tiger Woods, and there's parts of people that go to two places, as selfish as it is, somewhat as human nature as it is. The first place is, well, what was he doing? Because we know what's happened in Tiger Woods's career and life, unfortunately, involving car accidents, involving being inebriated, and after seeing the HBO documentary on his life, you could go to that place of, well, was he coming home from the club? Was he drunk? Was he high? Was he on too many painkillers? What was he doing? The second part you go to is, selfishly as well, well, when is he going to be able to come back? How long does it take to rehab from a broken fibula, tibula, foot, ankle, et cetera, et cetera? When can he get back on the golf course and we could try to get another one out of him? Just give us one more. And the first thing you'd think of isn't, thank God he's okay. Thank God he can be there for his family. Unfortunately, in the sports world, in today's day and age, sometimes the first thoughts go to the most selfish things. And that was all over the internet after the accident. That's just and where that's we ridiculous. are. Ridiculous. Because it's not like, you know, he's not 25. He's not 28. It's not in his prime. This is not resulting in us missing the greatness of Tiger Woods. We've seen the greatness of Tiger Woods for years. We saw it again in 2019. You know, for those who are, you know, eight years old, I'm sorry. You saw it when you were six, all right? 
it doesn't go on forever. It's not eternal. Will someone replace him? Someone? No. A group of terrific players will keep the game afloat. They will keep the game popular with their excellence, uh, with their continued performance, with their personalities, hopefully. But there are guys who uh, legends don't come along every couple of years. If you get to see them in your lifetime, consider yourself lucky. You know, I saw Nicholas and Palmer and I saw Tiger. I'm good. You know, I saw Nicholas, you know, from, from my earliest memory was 65, 66. So I saw, you know, the great run minus four years or so. Um, Cause he started in the early sixties. So I, I caught, you know, that second half of the decade of the sixties and the entire seventies, you know, to right to right to the end. So 75% of Jack Nicholas's greatness, 80% I saw. I just saw a sliver of Arnold Palmer. Because by the time I saw Palmer, he was losing majors. I never saw Palmer win a major. I saw him lose them, the historical collapse in the U.S. Open in the last round of Billy Casper. I saw him win tournaments, but I never saw him win a major. I don't remember him winning any majors. I never saw him win the British, just the highlights. I never saw him you know, win any of his four masters, uh, just the highlights or his U S open at Cherry Hills, the legendary, uh, back when they played two rounds on the final day. And I got to see all of Tiger. I got to see all of one of the two greatest players ever to swing off. I'm not going to argue who's better him or Nicholas. Leave that for another day. Now is not the time. He's one of the two greatest players of all time. And I got to see him from the beginning. I saw him on Mike Douglas. I saw him on the Mike Douglas show with his father when he was, whatever, three years old. The legendary story was on the time. That was the Mike Douglas show. I saw it. When it happened. Lucky. As a sports fan, blessed. I'm good. I don't bitch about when they retire. I don't complain if I only got to see so much. I feel for the player who struck down in his prime with injuries or sometimes guys just, they lose it. And once they lose it, they can never get it back. Whether it's a pitcher, whether it's a hitter, whether it's a football player, whether it's quarterback, you know, Wilt's under pressure, can never recover, get his game back. Whether it's a guy who just can't put the ball in the hole anymore. Whether it's a golfer who can't hit it straight anymore, whatever the case may be. The point is, I feel for them, not for me. Because it must be misery to reach that level of success and then have it all just disappear and not be able to get it back. So it's been you know a, a great run, an all-time run, and we got to see one of the great comeback stories in the history of sports before our very eyes. What's better than that? Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. The hardest thing in sports fandom is to just take a step back and appreciate what you're seeing in whatever sport that may be, because 
Father Time is undefeated. See, all the cliches. Here's where I disagree with you. For those of us like you, like me, who play, to me, it's easy to step back because I played. And it amazes me because I know how hard it is. I can't hit a golf ball straight 50 feet. <laughs> but I was a pretty good baseball player. I was a pretty good basketball player. What these guys do is incredibly amazing. I appreciate it fully. They make it look so easy, it's ridiculous. It's infinitely difficult, almost impossible, to hit a baseball. Round bat hitting round ball. Going upwards of 90 miles an hour at a minimum for a very short distance. It's very hard to throw it over that small dish, 60 feet, 6 inches away. Throwing it 95, 90% of effort to control. Some throwing it 100%. It's incredibly difficult to make 25-foot jump shots with guys draped all, with, oh, by the way, 6-foot, 7-inch guys draped all over you. You're not just shooting in practice. You're not shooting them in your driveway. You're shooting with a hand in your face, under pressure, fans screaming, not recently, but you know what I mean. Shot clock's winding down. Game clock's winding down. Guys, they, they, they shoot them like they're layups. Their athleticism is extraordinary. You know, go to an NBA game when you can go, and look at the size of the players. And the confined space within which they have to move. There is a very limited amount of space for 10 incredibly large men. And you have no idea how large they are until you go and sit down low. And see them beating the hell out of each other in the painted area. They are not playing two-hand touch. Those are big, strong Six foot ten, two hundred and seventy pound men beating on each other for position in the key, in the paint, to post up, to get offensive and defensive rebounds, to be a defensive presence. They're enormous. And the athleticism and coordination they show in maneuvering themselves in those small areas is nothing short of amazing. Nothing short of amazing. They're such incredible athletes. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely phenomenal. So I appreciate it. I don't have to step back to appreciate it. I appreciate it. Now, look, I bitch. You know, when, when a guy can't make a free throw, you know, I, I bitch when a guy swings and miss at a fastball right down the pipe at 90 miles an hour. It looks like it's got a sign on it that says crush me. But that's out of frustration because they're rooting so hard. When I step back, I, I absolutely realize and appreciate how incredibly difficult it is to do what they do. Me too. I I hope more people come to our side because it seems like in today's day and age, it's harder and harder to find those that are able to appreciate things in the moment. And the funny part about golf is it was, and still is, an appreciated sport. And you've seen this through watching golf. Guys get a little bit older. They start playing a little bit worse. They kind of fade away and right off into the sunset, start playing in the senior tour. Every once in a while, they make a nice hole-in-one on a par three. They win the senior cup here and there. They get on the highlight reel, and they say, hey, he's still golfing. Good for him. That's not going to happen with Tiger Woods. If he ever even walks on a course to watch a match being played, he'll be mocked. There'll be no riding off into the sunset. Let me play a couple senior tournaments just to keep in shape. Nope. Those crowds, seas of people that we saw when he won the Masters last will always be behind him. It's amazing the impact he's had on that sport, comparatively so to how it's always been. You could make the argument that Tiger Woods has had a bigger impact on his sport 
than any other athlete in our lifetime. You could make that you could make that argument. You could make the argument he had a bigger impact than Jordan. I'm not gonna say you're gonna win it, but you could make the argument that he had a bigger impact than Jordan. Uh you could make the argument that he had a bigger impact than LeBron. Sure, he did have a bigger impact than LeBron. The question is, did he have a bigger impact than Jordan? Than on basketball. And I think that's where your argument. I don't think anybody in football uh, fits into that category uh, of, of doing for their game in terms of popularity what either one of them did for their respective games. And I don't think anyone in baseball did either. I think it's those two. Um, you know, people make that Muhammad Ali in boxing. You know, boxing was never, I mean, boxing was center stage. Boxing was a bigger sport before Muhammad Ali than it was uh, during and after Muhammad Ali. But I think those two athletes made a bigger impact on their sport than any other two athletes uh, in in our lifetime. I think the poll would be, if we're putting this on Twitter, I know you won't see it if we do, (laughs) Jordan, Woods, I'd say the Williams sisters, both of them, since they came up at the same time. I I, I don't think there's even going to be. I mean, if you want to put choices up there, they'd get votes. But if you're just asking people, to me, I I think those names are the only two who come to mind. It's not even close in my mind. Not even close. Not even close. Incredible. I mean, we can go, we can go, we can go back and say Jackie Robinson, but Jackie Robinson is not in our lifetime, right? Not even in my lifetime. Not a bad list. Not a bad list. And interesting that arguably the most popular sport, and once second most popular sport, you'd have a hard time singling one specific player out. I guess that says a lot about the sports themselves. Well, that's because that's because the NFL is king. And why is the NFL king? Very simple. Television and gambling. All right. The, the NFL is, is the perfect sport for television and the perfect sport for gambling. Unlike any other sport. It was made for television because it's so much better to watch on TV than it is in person. You're warm and you're comfy and you don't miss it. You got all your food. You got all your beverages and you don't miss the play. You get to watch it 27 times over. Yeah. And you can watch all the other games. That's it. Scott Hansen sitting in that chair. He's not getting up to pee. Why? I don't know why they keep this shtick alive. It wouldn't hurt the broadcast in the least if he left for two minutes. And it would actually be nice to not hear him interrupt every single play that they go to and try to add his two cents to the commentary. Scott. Oh, and then, you know, Oh, by the way, while we're at it in terms of the fact that, uh, you know, it, it's perfect for TV. It of course is, it, it, it's, it's the perfect gambling sport. Without question. Why? Well, the, the, the different ways you can score the different value of, of, of various ways that you score and you don't have to worry about it during the week you can spend all week studying and get ready for your one day and your week's paycheck can go up and smoke (laughs) that one day can save up for that one week line up all your plays study all your tendencies Ford Stark Radio tell you what the sharps think who do the sharps love Where's the Sharps money? Well, here's the deal. I really don't care what the Sharps think uh, because the Sharps aren't making any money telling me about who they think he's going to cover or isn't going to cover. The most important thing is what I think and whether or not what I think has any merit to it. And we know that what I think has absolutely no merit to it. (laughs) Because from the experience of our picks on this program, I, you know, 
I can't get wet in a rainstorm. So the gambling and TV aspect are far more important in the NFL than any one particular player. It's the shield. Especially now with fantasy football, younger generations are fans of their fantasy football teams or one to two players. They're not even fans of teams anymore. They're just like individual guys. I got Odell as my wide receiver and Patrick Mahomes is my quarterback. Those are my two favorite players this year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Whatever That's you all say. I need. Who they play for again? <laughs> my fantasy team. Of course. Why is the NFL king? Because the president of the Pittsburgh Steelers said today that they would like Ben Roethlisberger back. And he wants to come back just from a brief statement from Art Rooney. The second now sparks a sports talk show conversation, which is good because we're kind of in that little lull here where we're grasping at straws for excitement. And unfortunately, a tragic accident takes up half of the show. So I ask you, is Art Rooney the second off his rocker in a sense, wanting to bring back Ben Roethlisberger, basically a run it back. Same teams. Let's see if we could maybe win one for the Gipper in his final year of his contract. Well, they're, they're going to have to make huge adjustments. If he does come back, they know that. I mean, his cap hit is over $40 million. You can't pay Ben Roethlisberger over forty million dollars. You, you can't do it. You can't do it. So you got to cut his salary drastically, and see if they're going to retain Schuster, who is you know one of the best defensive players. And are they going to go back to trying to rebuild a multifaceted? two-pronged attack on the offensive side. Are they going to bring Big Ben back, so they had five times fast, to put it up 50 times again? 50 times a game again. Uh, Are they going to try and play the same game, which showed over the last six weeks of the season, doesn't work. Dink and dunk with an old man uh, who is well past his prime isn't going to work. Who can't get the ball down the field isn't going to work. What they need is a running game and they need a quarterback who is not going to constantly drop back and put it up in the air and put it up for grabs, whose arm is not nearly as strong as it used to be, whose mobility is not nearly what it used to be. Still tough to sack because he's big and he's strong and he he's he is very good at avoiding on rushing line, but he has also not been very good at keeping the ball away from the other team. You, you really have to uh, you really have to wonder uh, exactly what their approach is going to be in the offseason in terms of free agency, in terms of the draft, etc. Because we talked on this show, and what was part of it? The fact that I've detested the Steelers my whole life, probably. But I thought I was being relatively objective when I called them you know, the worst 8-0 team in the history of the NFL and then the worst 11-0 team in the history of the NFL. And There was a good double down. Very good double down. And you know, they just kept rolling along, uh, winning games they should have lost. And then, you know, finally, they didn't just lose. They fell apart. And it, we thought we saw it coming. Uh, we thought they were a keg of dynamite ready to explode in a bad way. And they did. And now they have to pick up the pieces because they are in absolutely one of the toughest divisions of the sport. Uh, the Ravens are perennial playoff contenders uh, and aren't going anywhere. The Browns are now a playoff team and aren't going anywhere. And Cincinnati is rebuilding with you know a terrific young quarterback. So they better figure out what their long-term plan is in the quarterback scenario. Are they planning on 
trading for one? Are they planning on drafting one? Uh, because right now, you know, the cupboard is pretty bare unless you're talking about, you know, the two guys they have behind Big Ben, neither of which I think is a big-time NFL quarterback. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. You better have something figured out for this season, unless you just want to roll the dice and, I don't want to say it, be a lost season, but you're going to end up in that no man's land, presumably between seven and nine, nine and seven, middle of the pack draft pick wise. I don't really see a ton of upside for the Steelers in the run it back same teams setup because they've been running it back since they won the Super Bowl with Big Ben at the helm, obviously, back in 2010. I don't know if they sold their soul to the devil to win the Super Bowl because the next year is when they lost in overtime to Tim Tebow, and since then it hasn't been great. 2011, that's the loss to Tim Tebow. I was in college, Broncos fan, Tebowing all over the bars, getting down on the knee, you know, very popular at the time. TikTok would have been going wild with people Tebowing. They don't make the playoffs again until 2014. They lose to your Ravens. The next year, they lose to the Broncos again, this time with Peyton Manning at the helm. Their best chance, at least as far as they went wise, was 2016. That next year, they end up getting to the conference championship, but they get blown out by the Patriots. Some Tom Brady character. 2017, you lose to the Jaguars in the divisional round. And then don't make it back until this past year and get wrecked by the Browns. Game was over at halftime. They made it close. So I don't know what the formula is that they plan to put together. We know the Steelers have long had a knack for finding wide receivers and making them into star-esque receivers. They're great at it. Very phenomenal. One of the best. They'll have a strong defense. Receivers in the second, third, fourth round. Everybody they seem to draft uh, turns into a terrific terrific player. A very, very, very productive, uh, whether they're in Pittsburgh or somewhere else. You know, they have all, they've done a great job at it. Uh, And they're all different types of receivers. Uh, they're deep threats. They're underneath guys. They're big guys. They're small guys. They're strong guys. Uh, they're guys who created 50-50 balls, guys who are great route runners, uh, shoes to the most recent, and they, they seem to just grow them, which has been greatly beneficial to Ben Roethlisberger. Um, but now you know, ben, Big Ben's time is, is winding down, and you know, is he going to come in – is he going to come in – camp in better shape. He's never been a workout wonder. Is he going to do things to try and make him, I'm not going to say better, because I don't know if he can be better, but it, it, is he going to do whatever is necessary as a professional to get the best out of himself? That's the question for Ben Roethlisberger. Is he going to have enough pride that he wants to go out there for one last season at least, and an attempt to be the best he can be. And part of that is training, getting in shape, working with your teammates, not being a diva, and worry if they draft a bitch and moan if they draft a quarterback. Make a retirement announcements and then you know then go back on them. We've seen that routine five years ago. Be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Be in it to win it. Put your nose to the grindstone. Train. Get yourself in shape. Get yourself healthy. Take a pay cut so they can sign and draft and pay their players. And take one last shot. Might have to take a pay cut, too. Sorry. Sorry. Show us something. Might have to take a pay cut. 
Mice. What can we tell you? Mice, 41 million? I would say more than mice. <laughs> 41 million. Unbelievable. Come on. It's not a great offseason so far if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Apparently, the Bucks might want to extend Tom Brady, though. So there's that for people that think that his time has come. Maybe this is it. All right. Give him one more. That's enough, Tom. That's enough. Now, Carson Wentz finally has found a new home. As, as we, we said last week, carousel. there it is. The Colts. What an intriguing franchise to land a quarterback. And we finally have the answer for the team I gave to you as the team I would want if I were a free agent or a quarterback looking for a new home. The answer is Carson Wentz. I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> He's got to feel pretty good about it, I would think, right? Folks, I'm, I'm watching the Utah Jazz. I hate to interrupt this program. Oh, God. And they are just, it, it's ridiculous. They're shooting threes like they're lambs. It's ridiculous. I mean, they've already made, Mike Conley's four for four from three in the beginning of the second quarter. Uh, make that five for five. They, they don't even hit the, they don't hit the rim. They've made 11 threes four minutes into the second quarter. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All these teams do is shoot threes. I, I'm, I'm telling you, if I was in the NBA, I would not, I would just let teams shoot twos. Shoot all the twos you want. You're not shooting threes against me. I can never understand why guys go for the jab step and allow the step back. Because everybody, as soon as they take a jab step, they step down in three point line. I don't know how you can't see it coming. I'm never going for a jab step. I'm just getting up on you. I'm getting up on you from 35 feet in. If you want to go by, go by. And I'm coaching my team for the hardest thing to do. It's got to be the hardest. And I can't wait to ask Brian Scalabrini next time I talk to him on uh, the starting lineup with the great Frank Isola and Brian Scalabrini. Is it hard to not help? We'll get back to the NFL in a second. But is it hard to not help? You're coached your entire lifetime to help. Go help. I would coach my guys to never help. To never help. Guy wants to go by and shoot a two, let him shoot a two. I'm not going to help and give up a kick out for a wide open three until the game changes. Shoot all the twos you want. Go and shoot layups. Dunk. I don't care. Right. Somebody in there, if they've got a rim for it, take the two. I'm not helping. Don't help. Especially when you're up three late in games. Guy wants to go by you. Let him go. And don't go help. Don't run and help. Don't run and help. What's going to result in kick up for a wide open three? Was it the Suns? Which, they, this, which, which uh, they shoot like last. Was it the Suns a handful of days ago that broke their three-point record for their team that they had set earlier in the season? I think it was something like they made 24 three-pointers the other night against the Grizzlies, and they had broken the record that they set franchise-wise. I don't know how many games before to go it was. Records are just dropping like flies from three-point land. Every it's, game, it's, it's, it's too much. Team, it's too individual, much. it's crazy. It's too much. Sorry, I, I, sorry for the interruption, but it just, it, it's just—it's mind numbing. There's just too many of them. They're like—they're like home runs in baseball. Too many. Too many games become too dominated by them. But I do believe, even though I thought Sam Darnold was a better fit, a better player, had more upside. Look, this is Carson Wentz's. He's definitely got a second chance. This is a full-blown second chance. This is a great spot, playoff team, Jonathan Taylor, outstanding offensive line, and, you know, not an, an okay group of receivers, which they'll probably work on improving right, uh, through draft and free agents. And his guru from Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, Frank Reich, He's offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach in Philadelphia. He's the head coach. It's It couldn't be a better fit for him. And for the Colts, 
They gave up next to nothing. They gave up, what, a third-round pick and a second-round pick that could be a first-round pick? Memory serves me correct? You know, they're looking for, you know, three first-round picks. For, for the this guy was an MVP candidate. Was he the MVP? Did he win the MVP? No. Did, did Wentz win the MVP that year or not? No. He did not because he got hurt, right? Right. He, okay. he most likely... He, well, he would have won, he he won, won the MVP. He would have won the MVP. So they went from no quarterback to an MVP caliber quarterback when he's at his best. The question is, is his best still a possibility? Or have we seen his best? We'll find out. By the way, that year, the MVP went to uh, Tom Brady. <clears throat> of course. Oh, him. Uh, of course. That. That guy. How could we not talk about him in one episode about the NFL? It's, I believe, definitely a risk for both the team and the player, but it feels like the reward could be far outweighing such. Oh, absolutely. Because of the name Frank Reich. I mean, just look at the numbers that Carson Wentz was able to put up. Here's the keys to the kingdom, man. Let's see what you have. Well, also remember... Where's the risk? Right. There, there, there is no risk because they had no quarterback. So they said, well, no, we, don't, we don't want you anymore. We're going to go to this guy. Give him a couple of picks. Right. And you don't get in trouble because you made this decision after the draft. And there's no, I can't believe they passed on Deshaun Watson, Patrick. Mahal, they can still draft the quarterback. Exactly. Great move by the Colts. Now, the Eagles, I guess, had to make a move. But they certainly sold incredibly well. I don't know why this trade couldn't have been done later. Also, I should add quickly, one of my favorite parts to the story of Carson Wentz is when he texted one of his future teammates if he could switch his jersey number Back to eleven because he's worn that since high school or however the that story would be goes. Michael Pittman. Michael, Michael Pittman, Pittman Jr. said, "Nah, man, <laughs> I'm I locked into so. this. I'm good. I don't think so. I'm good. Show me something. Let's get to the Super Bowl again. Let's get to the playoffs. Maybe I'll hand it over to you if we do something. Show me something first, man. I'm not just giving you this. Anyway, continue. If he just takes care of the football." and becomes a game manager, I think they can be really good. Be Phil Rivers. Be the last year in his career, Phillip Rivers. I think that's a doable thing to have happen to you. I think, uh, I think if he just stays healthy behind that offensive line, again, you know, if he's the guy on Minnesota, He's Kirk Cousins. They're a playoff team you know, if they stay healthy. How many episodes away do you think we are from talking about college basketball in a meaningful way? Two? Two more weeks? We have to get into the conference tournaments because it's just look, it is, as, as we said last week, it is without a doubt that sport. The it's it has suffered so much more than I thought any other sport has. Um, I thought college football would suffer much more because of the absolute rabid crowds and the size of the crowds and you know the national following the game is, but it, it it didn't it didn't it didn't it didn't. I was I watched more college football than any college basketball, and to me, it's simple. It's because you know college football is still only once a week, and now you had the Wednesday night games. But you know what I mean. College football is still primarily Saturday, and you know it had its day. But college basketball, you know, is being played like it always is throughout the week and the weekends, and there is no juice you know you could watch the college football game without crowds because 
even though you don't hear the the, the, the noise and the enthusiasm, etc., you see the players, you see the enthusiasm. The game's incredibly important because it's one of only 10 or 11. College basketball is like what? It's like watching scrimmages. You know, it's like Syracuse is playing Duke in a scrimmage. It's just not there. It's just not there. And it's not because Duke blew Syracuse out the other day. It didn't matter how much Syracuse win. It, the emotion of it is just not there. And that's a huge part of it. And the fans being so close, you know, approximate you know, to, you know, to the, the action, it's not there. Um, it's such a huge part of college basketball. You're used to seeing it on a weeknight. A ton of big games in college basketball are weeknights. Big Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever the case may be. And, you know, you tune in, there's nobody there. It just doesn't have anything. And to me, that's far and away the game that has suffered the most. And I'm sure I'll get into it, um, but not like I have in the past. No way. No way, because it's just not there. The juice just isn't there. I will like the bubbles for the conference tournament. I mean, the conference tournaments are always in one locale anyway. But I'll, I'll love having the big tournament in one place, the entire tournament. I think that'll be cool. Games all day, nonstop. That'll be cool. Um, but it and it'll be good to have it back because you know, it was sorely missed last year. But it's uh, it's going to be tough to have the kind of juice for it that we've had in the past. That's well, for sure. Well, I think this year more than ever the main focus will be on the teams that need to at least make the championship game to have any shot of the NCAA tournament. I think those are the only members of each conference, as far as fans go, that are really going to care about the tournament because the teams that are already in are going to be saying, we don't need this. Why risk our, ourselves for it? The teams that are already out, who cares? It'll be for the one or two teams that need to make a run for the hope of getting in the dance. I think this year, more than past years, that'll be the forefront of thinking. And if that team goes down early, for example, Duke is going to probably need to win the ACC tournament to get into the championship, or at least make the championship. I think game. if they get, to, I think if they get to the conference finals, there. So if they lose in the first round, where's the juice in the conference tournament for the majority of the people that care about the conference? That's the thing. I think this year, more than ever, with everything going on, that might end up being the narrative. But we'll see. We'll talk about it next week. How's that? We'll preview what's going on in college basketball because there are some fun storylines. Gonzaga, Baylor, Baylor, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Baylor, Juwan Howard, Michigan. That's it. We might have a 20-second podcast next week, folks. We'll see. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, from my partner, the great John Kine, Elon, I am El Renato, waking up from White Plains. Have a great and safe sports weekend. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.